0: Welcome, welcome, guys, to um, Season 1, Episode 14 of Cut the Curve. I'm Flipman Zweig. I've been in real estate now 23 years, investing, um, doing creative finance, been through the recession, uh, done a lot of different things in real estate, and also one of the main focuses is I'm a mental health advocate, investor, and host of the show here called Cut the Curve. So. Today I want to welcome Zasha from the great state of Hawaii. I was just there in January, Zasha, so thank you for joining Cut the Curve. I'm very blessed to have you here and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hello everybody. Thanks so, for
0: having So Zasha Zasha has been in real estate since 2019 and i see her all over social media we've never met this is our first time so i'll get to hear her story and her journey of real estate and you guys will at the same time so tell us a little bit zasha um cut the curves a show where i interview moguls mentors and entrepreneurs and you're very entrepreneurial so tell us a little bit about you got into real estate 2019. where did like your journey start from like where you're at today, cause we have a lot of new people listening and you know, it's not always easy. I, I was blessed to have a number of mentors when I came up, but tell us about your your journey in to where you are today.
1: Well, um, I grew up in Hawaii, which is in a very expensive state. I lived in affordable housing, was raised by a single mom and have a brother and a sister as well. And so from early on, I was always very frugal and looking for ways to make money. We used to have garage sales and car washes, you know, while we are in elementary school. It probably wasn't, you know, the best way to (laughs) go about making money, but I think we always had that entrepreneur spirit to want to help our family, want to help other people that are in need. And so as I grew up, I graduated from Maui High School, put myself through college at Cal State Long Beach, Um, had my first child while in college, and I knew I wanted to, you know, get through it because I wanted to have a different life for me and my family. And so graduated, moved back to Maui. Uh, I had my degree in civil engineering which was a task in itself but I knew in order to move back to an expensive state you have to be a doctor a lawyer an engineer or someone in Mm. order to afford to live here so when I moved back I ended up renting a place my mom was renting and we decided hey let's try to get a house and we could qualify for you know a, a single family or duplex together, and so that's what we did. We bought a duplex and kind of house hacked it, ended up renting the other side. My mom moved away, I rented a room on my side, and at that time I wasn't really into real estate investing. I didn't know what that was, it was just making it work in an expensive market. And so after we had sold that house, I moved into a fixer-upper. Same thing. I was working in my engineering job, working 60 to 70 hour weeks, but also always being frugal and mindful and saving because I knew, you know, if anything were to happen Mm. to me or my husband, then, you know, we would have to be able to survive and take care of the kids at least one of us. And um, that kind of set it off when I bought, we bought our fixer upper. It was around four hundred thirteen thousand. We put about eighty thousand dollars into it that we had saved and um, I went to the bank one day and I was talking to the teller and I was like, Oh my gosh, we just spent all our savings in this house and she's like, Why don't you try get a refi or do a um, get a HELOC? And I was like, What are those? You know, I never knew any mm-hmm. sort of ways to leverage finances. And so from there I kind of started learning about it. And uh, realized, oh my gosh, I just got all my money back out that I put into this house. The first house I sold, me and my mom split $150,000. So we made 150 dollars each tax-free. And so there was little cues along the way that was like, hmm, there's something to this real estate thing that I need to learn more about. So after work and on the weekends, I would be um, digging into researching about real estate investing. Bigger pockets came up. Uh, throughout that time and so while I was working I realized okay now I've built up enough equity and I have a substantial amount of income coming in from my own personal um, my personal job and then my husband's personal job that we qualified for a rental so I said hey let's try to get a rental and see how it goes so we got uh, we got a rental off the MLS through an agent and also at the same time got a flip and I said okay let's try these two strategies out and see which one we like because we might not like being landlords and then we might love the flipping so we did Mm -hmm. that and I honestly just fumbled through it all I was learning along the way watching YouTube going on bigger pockets using as much free resources and books that I could to learn it because I knew I was very hands-on and at that time I bought the rental we bought and the flip we bought were both condos because I said, "Hey, we don't need to start off with a major fixer. Like we have a family, we want to mitigate our risk and you know, buying a $300,000 condo at that time was like, okay, that's easier than buying a $500,000 fixer, which is the median over here."
0: Right. <laughs>
1: so, we we did that. We flipped the condo in 45 days. It took us 30 days to renovate and 15 days to sell to a cash buyer. Um, who wanted to buy it for a retirement home and we made $103,000 off that first flip. And so I was like, okay, I on made- your
0: first flip. Yeah. Now I see, <laughs> well, and wow. so I was only
1: making $70,000 wow. as an engineer, 60 to 70 hours working, you know, doing hotel design, grading underground utilities for shopping centers. $70,000 a year, three three 365 days, took me 45 days to make $103,000. So it was like, ding, that's the light. Wow.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> the light bulb went off. When you guys got that money in your bank account, you're like, this is real. This really can happen. And uh, that's exciting. So I love your story. Like you grew up not knowing what you didn't know and you had to seek knowledge somewhere. So you thought the path was to go to college, get your engineering degree. And I'm sure that was a hard work sacrifice dedication. So all those skills are probably applying to your entrepreneurial business now in 2022 and guys, she's only been doing this. What three years, full-time Zasha. Yes, Yeah. Has it been three years? Well, it's been two wow. years full wow. time. So I actually, you could see, I
1: actually quit my job in January. January thirty first was the last day of twenty twenty. Was the last day of my job right before the pandemic hit. So that's like another another story. But yeah, so it's been two full cool years basically.
0: That <laughs> we we never forget when we left corporate America, right? Yeah. Like we have that ingrained yeah. because it, it changes your life. Like I couldn't imagine still being at a corporate job. Like, again, like you said, you're working 60, 70 hours a week and you're, you're not, you're not making six figures. That's for sure. <laughs> Most of the time I'd say. Um, so had you always been entrepreneurial growing up? I know you said you had the garage sales, the car washes, like, had, cause you got to hustle in this business, right? Plus, you have to have systems. So being an engineer, I'm sure that's very helpful. So were you always the hustle hustle? Did you learn that from somewhere or is that just in Zasha?
1: I learned that very much from my mom. I mean, she was working three different jobs. She, I, uh, you know, when you're in that situation, you, I kind of took over taking care of my brother my sister. And so just seeing her work ethic, I think anything that I do, I go hundred percent. And even in my job, right. I was working a salary, but a 40 hour salary, but still working 60 to 70 hours because I was so dedicated to making sure yes. that our clients yes. too got quality work. We met deadlines. I've just always been that person to make sure that everything I do is done very well.
0: Right, right. And I hear that a lot with our students, like they're only obligated for 50, but at the end of the, the week, they're there 78 hours a week and they're making the same money because they just want to do a great job for the company. Mm -hmm. So that's not like foreign for a lot of entrepreneurs that have left that space. So, but again, we have to learn it from someone like same thing. My dad always worked five jobs. I'm like, I don't want to work five jobs. I just want to get one that I'm really good at and make good money at. So, but I did see the work ethic from my dad because it was just about providing for the family, which, you know, sometimes you got to take odd jobs, whatever it takes to, to pay the bills. So, um, that's, that's amazing. So your husband, obviously he's a, big part because when we're married or, you know, there's a spouse involved, a, uh, you know, if you're dating, whatever, but how did he take to you leaving the engineering field? And did you guys contemplate it for a while? Cause I know there's some people on the fence watching right now and it's a life, it's a big, scary decision.
1: He actually was the one who had suggested me quitting a long time ago because he is an entrepreneur himself. He owns his own plumbing company. And now we have six employees. We have a warehouse, two offices. Like our both of our endeavors have grown a lot. So he was saying, hey, why don't you quit that job? Help me on this side. You could, you know, find another thing to do on the side that could supplement the income, but he's already making enough. But for me, I think I've always been very cautious in making sure that we both have stable income so that if something happens to one of us that you know the Mm. other one could take over but he yeah he always he had suggested to me at least a year before i quit hey you know this is taking a toll on you i don't mind playing mr dad or mr mom you know taking care of the kids Showering them, feeding them dinner, right. because I would leave for work at six thirty. I would go drop off one of the kids, get to work, and then I wouldn't come home until seven, eight o'clock some nights when we had deadlines and things like that. So it was very, it was very taxing not only um, on me but on my family. And so that was the wake up call for me as well. Was like, oh my gosh, I could make this in forty five days and not have to, you know, work to till the, till I'm tired and my family is not getting the best of me. They're getting the rest of me. And I want to be there. I want to be a proactive parent. Right. And <laughs> right. I was always asking for, you know, I couldn't be at things because I had to ask for permission to take time off, to be there for my kids. That wow. was, that's yes. what really hit me to where I, this is why I want to go all in to investing and have passive income because I want to be present and I don't want to ever regret any time that I wasn't there for them.
0: You hit the nail on the head, Sasha, because my kids are now, let's see, one is 19, one is 17. So they don't need me like they did when they were little, but from day one, I presence, I had to I wanted to be present. So I could volunteer, I could coach them. I could do, I could be home for dinner. I could be there for lunch. I could take them on my time. So I knew from my dad always working, I wanted to create something differently. So hundred percent through real estate, it gives us this ability to have the best of both worlds where you could work hard, but you could also play hard. You could have your family life. So that's the balance of being an entrepreneur in real estate that a lot of people, um, you know, struggle with a lot of folks on our podcast have read rich dad, poor dad. So, you know, again, with that book, you try to get out of that employee mindset. And a big part of what we teach is about mindset and, you know, goal setting and vision where you want to go, because you're going to go somewhere. It's just like, where are you going in your life? And what's the vehicle to take you there? And through real estate, I mean, you found it, I found it, A number of our friends have found it and i'm excited to help others and share that passion with them and i see you have a community too that you're helping and is it all across the united states or what what do you do with your uh coaching and like helping out with other people in the community that are just getting started
1: yeah so i'm a part of a few different mentorships and i think that's very important For you, growth in your journey is networking so attending events being a part of coaching programs or mentorships meeting people all across the united states or all across the world that will open your eyes to what you can yes so (laughs) when i first started i you know i was like i got to buy my first rental on my own my first flip and then there from there i was thinking i had to do everything on my own and figure out by myself So after I got the first two, I was fumbling through a lot. I did, made a lot of mistakes, right? And I was running to Lowe's on my lunch breaks. I was meeting contractors after work. I was going to the job sites, you know, on the weekends, doing dump runs, thinking, oh, yes, I'm going to save some money. I'm going to make, you know, make the project go faster because I'm there. And I really...
0: Oh, yeah, I know.
1: I, I've done that.
0: I've done that. So I think... (laughs) It's a great way to like, you did it, you, you got, you made a lot of mistakes. I'm sure you took action. So that's really the biggest thing that we see with folks. Like once they step into it and do it, like it's not easy, but like you could do extremely well once you conquer that fear. And then like you said, the next step or before that you get a mentor. Cut the curve. So I've always had well, I shouldn't. In the beginning, I didn't have mentors in fix and flip and I needed to find someone. So I've had mentors that without that, like I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So if
1: I if I were that's to go cool. back, so you get, yeah, if I were to go back, I would have joined a mentorship from the get go because it would have helped me scale much faster and also open opportunities 100%. to me. Because right now I'm partnering with people across the, you know, in Atlanta, in Texas, in Florida, um, in Arizona, just a lot of different places. And it comes through that experience. I have the experience if they're only doing their first deal or maybe they're over leveraged and are like, hey, we just need a little bit of money for this gap funding. Can you jump in? I will say, yes, but I need equity. I'm at that point in my career where I need equity. Does it still make sense to split it 50 50? Yes. Okay. Then let's do it. You know, and I'm open to doing those sorts of things, especially if these people are in mentorships and I am in because one, I know that they will run along the same programs and have the same guidelines. And if we connect, uh, in integrities, morals, and just across the board, we get along and we trust each other because it is a trust factor, right? When you're partnering with people who you've never met, yes. Uh, projects you've never seen, and trusting that they have the Mm -hmm. ability to move it all the way through. So that's, and then of course you do your due diligence. I have a network of people in each state basically. So I will double check the numbers with them, ask about the areas. So it's not just like, okay, yes, let's partner. It's more so, okay, uh, what is the deal? Does it make sense? And then let me do my background check and, and then we can decide from there how we're gonna move forward.
0: I love it. Technology has changed. Real estate It's changed the, the world. Everything we do now we could do from our computers. And I would have never met you. I would have never met the other flip man. Like I've met people all over the country because of the pandemic. So there was a blessing for me. I got on social media, Pace Morby a friend of mine out here. He's like, flip, you know, everyone, but you don't know anyone. And I'm like, what do you mean? But he was a hundred percent right. And now, yeah, it just opens up a vast pool of people that not only you could JV with, but you could help along their journey because you've been through certain deals that they may not understand. And yeah, so that's, that's very exciting that you're able to connect. And, uh, I think that's great advice. Like looking back too, I would have got a mentor day one and fix and flip, but I tried to figure out myself and, made a lot of mistakes
1: right and we're all on our on our own path and i think a lot of times like you said in the beginning it's all about your mindset so you have to have this mindset of abundance not scarcity to open your the doors to more opportunities and more people will connect with that and so i think even as i continue to partner with people it just there's just so many different ways that things can could get done. And a lot of people just need that confidence, right? If you're an experienced investor and there's an investor, they're just so scared to take that, you know, first step. It's like, why not just partner, let's partner, even though you make less profit, you'll get your first deal done. And then after that, take off and fly. Like we don't need to continue to do partnerships. I would love it. But you know, hundred percent, I, you it's,
0: <laughs> I say the same, I see the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Just open up the, uh, uh, confidence, open up, like jump. Like if you don't know how to swim, like you got to jump in and you got to do it. But then you have a swim coach. If you don't know how to ride your bike, someone's teaching you and then you, you go and do, cause there's so many different paths too, that you may like this one path, but all of a sudden there may be another avenue that this other person wants to get into, but they got to get in somewhere is the thing. So I agree. I would just start. And like you said, Sasha is get in a program, get in a community, get in and you know, with a coach, um, there's whatever you want to learn. It's on YouTube. You do YouTube study. Then really though, when you're in a paid program, I think, (laughs) Not not because I sell my program and I we don't sell it for very much, but like I've seen success and I know like it changes people's lives. So it's it's beautiful too. But they have to trust that it's gonna work and I'd say they'd have to stick to the program because you know, it's consistency, it's taking action and it's like working through the problems to get to where they wanna go. Hey guys, quick announcement. I just launched my new Passive Income Accelerator course. In this course, you'll learn how I built my Airbnb portfolio to ten properties and growing while amassing three to five thousand dollars per property per month. If you want to learn more, go to piaaccelerator.com/go and sign up for the early bird special. And now back to the podcast.
1: Yeah, and I can say another benefit too Uh, of having a mentor or somebody to coach you along is that they will help you to believe in yourself and believe that you can accomplish more. Like you are not living to your full potential right now. There's so many more doors that could open up. And that's kind of my first coach was Ryan Pineda. And I remember just sitting on his couch. We had a small mastermind one day and he was like, dude, that's where he said, dude, just quit your job. And I was like, I can't, what about my health insurance? What if something happens to my <laughs> husband? What if I, this is just lucky. What if I just mm. got lucky with these deals? And he was like, okay, you have to be very lucky. Right, right. Second one. It's not like, it's just your first one. And he was like, how much is your health insurance? I was like, $1,800. He's like, so you're going to let $1,800 a month stop you from pursuing your dreams and living the life that you want, I was like, you're right. He's like, just figure out a way to offset that $1,800, whether it's through rental income or some kind of you know, mentorship or coaching or something you could sell on the side. But even if you just continue doing your flips, I mean, you don't even have to, if you're making a hundred thousand a flip, you don't have to do that many a year. So I think that's one thing that- Right,
0: right. <laughs> Yeah. And we all need someone to encourage and lift us up, especially when we've never done something. So that's where confidence coaching, like the abundance mindset, I would say hands down, like you should be watching YouTube videos all day long and, you know, writing out goals, getting your confidence. Cause you have to believe it first and then you can take it out into the world and, that's that's so important and that's why getting with a guy like Ryan shout out to Ryan the other uh, mentors out there they give you that belief that you could keep doing this like you don't need to live miserably or, or you know struggle with lifestyle because you feel like you have false you you have security but it's it's kind of like a false security I'd say
1: right because you could still get fired at any moment your job. I mean, look at what happened during COVID, right? A lot of people lost their jobs. So I think it was just an eye-opener for me. And and having a mentor also gave me the confidence to scale because I thought I got to do one project, have it done, and then I can move to the next, and I can move to the next. But no, now I'm doing six, seven deals at a time. And as long as you have systems and processes and you trust your team, right, you have a really good team, then you can do as many as you want so and then now i've i've gone into it's... syndications recently that have been a huge it's a totally different ballpark but i love the fact that you can mm-hmm. you know get into these huge projects but you have a team basically all the partners all the general partners all the limited partners it's like a yes. team of people coming together so that's that's my next step that i've been getting into and I, uh, love the fact that now all the responsibility isn't on one person. It's kind of spread out. So that's kind of their direction that I. Yes. So
0: you going. constantly, constantly involve, evolve in the business. So I personally really admire engineers because I'm the total opposite from a engineer, but like every, like Steve Trang, he's a friend of mine out in Arizona and he is so that brain that he operates in and like how you operate it's your greatest asset but it could be your biggest achilles heel too because what i've noticed with a lot of engineers they're very like the analytical mindset the the, the processes have to be perfect before they actually step forward so talk to me a little bit about that mind of a engineer or someone like that watching right now What? would you advise them to do? Because, you know, nothing's perfect, right? Like,
1: I definitely had, I like one plus one equals two. If one plus one equals the sky, Mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, what, what is going on? Or if things go haywire in projects, but because I was already an engineer managing projects before, I kind of already dealt with handling subcontractors, handling project deadlines, okay. things like that. So I was already further along in my career. I'm still a licensed civil engineer, but um, I kind of was already uh-huh. used to that and dealing with issues. And I just knew it, I'm always going to find a way. I'm always going to find a way to win. As long as you have different exit strategies, I feel like maybe that will give more comfort to people is when you're analyzing deals, look at it as, okay, like that. if I flip yeah. it, if I'm going to wholesale it, or if I'm going to rent it, at least have one other strategy in case the first one doesn't work out. So you got to get deeper discounted deals. I've always, so it'll make sense. In the end. Yes.
0: I always have, I always learn to have three or four exit strategies. So you don't get Pigeonholed into if you you don't do it this way you're going to lose. So there's ways to mitigate risk, guys. You just have to get educated on how to be creative. You know, there's a lot of creative financing coming back in the marketplace right now. I mean, I'm very excited about what's going to happen in the next six months because of the you know the shift in the market, the creative finance deals that we're seeing already. The there's going to be a lot of opportunity. So what are you seeing? Well, first of all. I was in Hawaii, Maui. I wish I would have known you. We were out there in January. We didn't want to leave. We were there for like, we booked it for two weeks, but we stayed like three and a half weeks. So I got the Tory hat on the designer out there, but, um, you started your career in one of the most expensive places in America. Like, did you just, I mean, was that I'm here, I got to do it here, or did you, like, what was the thought process around doing that first one with your mom?
1: That was just because I was here and I, don't, I didn't have the risk tolerance to go out of state or even the time to understand other people's markets because I was working full-time already. So I figured I learned the basics, do it here, get my feet wet, and then I can move on to bigger and better things. But honestly, I just use my, um, my gut feeling and what made sense, right? If I seen something that was listed on the market for 300000 and something recently sold in that same area for, let's say, $500,000, i am like, okay, it can't be $200,000 to fix this up in cost. And so that's kind of how I got. I mean, you just use common sense a little bit to be, especially I bought condos. Right, condos are a way lesser renovation than a single family home or a duplex or something. Bigger yes, than that. good
0: point. So yep.
1: I was like, okay, if I can even get this condo renovated for fifty thousand, my house costs eighty. So I was just kind of guesstimating. I'd still make money. So that's, I mean, it, I don't advise people to do it that way. <laughs> but I mean, just you know, uh-huh. using, using logic has helped me along the way just to figure out, is this a good way to go? Or is this a good deal? Um, and generally speaking, I mean, if in an expensive market, you can have those big, uh, those big gaps, right. In purchase price and. sale. Mm -hmm. And over here, the appreciation is crazy, crazy. I think one of my rentals,
0: I thought Arizona was,
1: (laughs) (laughs) one of my rentals in October of last year, Appraised for seven hundred thousand, and then I went to go in to get a HELOC um, in January, and it appraised for a mm-hmm. million fifty. So it's it was crazy enough a Holy
0: couple moly. Of months. It
1: just <laughs> shot up because there's such a such a limited market here, but it's so desirable. I mean, you came here, you know, you know how it is to be on an island. Who 60- wouldn't
0: want to live in Maui?
1: <laughs> People want I to would retire be. I was at
0: the too. beach every day.
1: They're selling their homes, like, you know, in New York and wherever the case may be, get pulling cash yeah. out and just buying things cash here. So I know already, if I go into an area on Maui that people are wanting to retire in, a lot of them are cash buyers because they're using their full retirement, paying something off, and then just living the rest of their life without, you know, any real expenses. I mean, the, your mortgage is everybody's biggest exp- expense, so... That was right. Right. Well, what, what a place to to read.
0: Again, you have water, you have climate. Um, there's, I know the, the land is a little locked there, but like there's always going to be real estate. There's always going to be anytime you have water golf courses, that's paradise. Like that's, that's why Arizona, you know, we have a lot of things going on out here and it's, it's another great state. So I love Maui. That's I've been all over and that's one of my favorite, favorite spots. So you're, you're living large up there in Maui, like the beach is, is great. So,
1: um, talk to me,
0: talk to, Go ahead, go ahead, Sasha.
1: People ask me Sasha. all the time how I make it work in expensive markets or how I still find deals in expensive markets. Yes. And I think it's like anywhere else. You're probably not going to find it on market. You got to go source off market. So same things as everybody else does, drive for dollars, You know, cold call, text, yep. referrals. So the, one of the biggest ones for me, because I live on a small island, there's a small community, is referrals. So I always have to make sure every deal I do is done the right way. So everybody who, you know, sends their auntie or uncle or a family member to me or a friend, Mm. I always make sure, Hey, did you guys talk to a realtor? Did you try to refinance if they're in a financial situation? Did you ask a family member if they can try to help you out of this? Like I make sure they go through everything that they could have to try to save their house or if they're you know, in a distressed situation and then I come in as their last resort. And that has been my, you know, I'm not really a salesperson, but that has been the way that I build rapport and connect with these people and other, they now they refer other people to me who are in their similar situation or really need help. And um, I do creative deals. That has been a huge blessing, especially since COVID came about i have say I've probably done like four or five different creative deals. So whether it's seller financing, um, novations, where I partner with the homeowner, they keep the mortgage in place, and then I bring renovation funds, and then we split profits at the end. Um, I've done um, other sorts of creative ways where you can jump in, you don't always have to here's a cash offer and take this, you know, but a lot of people want other ways where, Hey, how can I walk away with this in a, in a better, you know, with more money and that's a constant constant question I get asked. I said, Hey, I don't have to cover any money costs and getting this huge cash loan. Then, yeah, I can come up a little, like I don't, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a just one offer thing. Come to sellers with multiple offers and multiple ways you can both make it work. And that's how I've been doing it in an expensive market.
0: And that's amazing because, um, like myself, I'm not a salesperson either, but you and I are both problem solvers. Like we're good at figuring out how do we solve this problem for this family and what are their options? So again, guys watching this, you don't have to be super salesy. You just have to be educated on your options.
1: I like that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even realize that those are options. I, my latest, uh, purchase for a flip, the seller's wife was in, you know, some kind of medical care. And if he got a huge lump sum of money, then they would no longer qualify for that. I think they were paying like $2,400 a month, but if they got this lump sum, they would have to pay upwards of $10,000 a month. And so now he agreed Mm. to seller finance and getting $2,400 a month exact amount he needed for his wife's medical care until, you know, we have a five-year note. But that those are just some ways that you can get creative with sellers where it really truly is a win-win.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And um, the other point you mentioned was referrals. So we always joke it's a big world, but it's actually a small world because everyone knows someone. So my mentor did teach me Zasha is, I mean, he, he taught me for six years and he's in his eighties now, but the biggest thing I learned from him is being honorable on all your business transactions. And it's hard. Some guy some days, guys, when you're doing deal and you're like, Oh, I, but it's always a better way to conduct business because the universe will reward you with like tons of referrals. So that would be big picture advice for folks watching.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I live on Maui. I, my kids go to school here. There is, um, a lot of connections, especially in the business world. And I always want to know that I did the right thing and, you know, not leaving anybody with the wrong feeling because I've had, Wholesalers approach me and I talk to the seller. They're like, oh, they're not buying the deal. And I go back to the wholesaler. I'm like, you didn't tell them that you're selling to, you're know, (laughs) you assigning this contract. And they're like, oh, well, I said that- Always be up front. (laughs) I know. I said, oh my gosh, I I cannot. I said, you got to be up front with this person because they're going to come around and then think that I somehow did something. So it's always great. And I think it's maybe
0: lack of education lack of education, lack of maybe fear that, oh, we're going to lose a deal if we disclose, but it's always better to explain it, educate it. Um, One of the things I really caught my eye when I was watching your Instagram, Zasha, is how you give back to the community. And I'm looking for a way, so I'm glad I got you on the uh, podcast and some of the other viewers. So can you tell us a little bit about that philanthropy uh, philanthropy that you're, you're doing within the real estate community when you work with different people and so forth?
1: Well, especially because I'm from Hawaii where the stigma is, you know, there's a limited amount of land that people, you know, especially investing, just want money. And I like to shed light on a different perspective with it is that when I fix and flip, I often don't choose the highest offer it just depends on what area it is Mm. of course if there's only you know retirees or people from the mainland that want to move there then that's the only choice but if there's other local people in the community or first-time home buyers that are looking for a place for themselves i will oftentimes consider their offer over the highest bid because if i make my quota or my profit margin like there's you can always make more but can you always help somebody who really wants a home or is doing all that they can to get this property for their family you know that's how you can make a decision a, uh, a difference in these people's lives and not only your own but also them and their families and then also i have rentals here that i do rent to section 8 tenants and uh, people that have vouchers or some kind of assistance rental assistance to catholic charities And I'm just, it's a little bit more paperwork and you won't get as much market rent, but I feel like it's always a win-win because you're giving somebody a home that actually really needs it and appreciates it. Majority of the time, you still got to do your due diligence on the beginning as far as background checks and income verification. You still got to do all of that. However... If you can help somebody who really needs it, that is what drives me. That's really my passion because that's where I came from. If I can help somebody that was in a similar situation that my family was in growing up, then I'd, re- I, I would be a blessing to them. And that would, that makes that that's solid. That,
0: that, <laughs> yeah. It, it goes full circle, right? So it f- fills your cup, makes them so happy. But again, in, a business sense. A lot of people are, Oh, I'm all about the money. And if you chase the money, guess what? The money drives, like, I've never done this To I, i like making the profits on deals and the money, but like, I didn't get into it for the financial, the financial comes after you grind, you, you set up your, your grounding work. You keep doing something over and over. It could be in any field as long as you're passionate for why you're in that field. It, doesn't have to be real estate, but like, don't get into it guys because it's quick money. It's the, everything you see on Instagram. It's not always, it's not that it may take you a long time to get your first deal, but surround yourself with people that know and care and want to do good things in the world. Because if you're getting in for money, I haven't seen those people last in my, my time
1: right and it's it's been a struggle i mean even while i was first getting started i was working you know all day and then i'd come home like put the kids to sleep nine o'clock boom from 9 30 until 1 a.m i was researching about investing and educating myself and going through courses and just really putting in the work and time and you know, on the weekends, driving for dollars, doing everything while working full time. So you guys can do this while you have a lot of other things going on. It's gonna take time blocking and sacrifice in the beginning, now it's just me having financial freedom, I'm able to, I could stop right now, and not worry about anything, but I like to always continue, help new people get into it, and then also continue to help people in my community, educating them, renting to them, selling to them, moving into their first home, it's just, it's a really rewarding experience, and a lot of people um, think that, okay, if I get into this, and I start making a lot of money, you know, does Does that make me a bad person? And it doesn't. If you're using your financial gains to help others, like think of how many more people you can help change their lives because now you have this financial freedom and this passive income coming in. You're not slaving away at your job, just thinking about how you're gonna pay your next bills. You're able to make an impact on the world
0: right right and and money is a hot topic let's face it like we all grew up with some reference to money whether it's no money you're holding your money tight you're giving your money so you got to figure out that it is a abundant world and like you can't squeeze it but you have to learn that sometimes you didn't learn it at home you may have to you know there's so many books to help you change that mindset like on money because we do hear people, I'm sure you hear it. Like, I don't have any money to invest in real estate. I'm like, you're, you're kind of looking at it backwards. Like, where did that belief come from? Why do you feel that way? Um, I'm sure you get that one all the time also.
1: Right. Because I didn't know about private, private money or hard money lending or, you know, creative financing, partnering with sellers. I would've had no idea unless I got educated. Yes. I you have to qualify through your job for a conventional loan. And that's the only way you could kind of build your wealth or build your rental portfolio or build you know, anything like that. So um, that's been a so realization it's out, for me. And that's how I get it. Yeah. I get why It's people, out there for
0: everyone because again, Yeah. I mean, we all have limiting beliefs, right? Like, so it's, I feel like being a real estate entrepreneur, like it's 110 self-improvement because one day you could do really well. And then another day, some problem comes up and, you know, you got to reach out to people in your community to help you with those problems and questions. So, um, this is cut the curve. So what we're going to end here shortly, Zasha. And I had a true pleasure getting to know you. Hopefully I get to meet you in person when you come to Arizona or I go back to Maui um, and get to know you more. But um, so cut the curve. What would you tell people watching the the YouTube um, that want to get into real estate? they're, they're a little off fence. They may be working nine to five, may have a few kids in the house. Uh, maybe their spouse isn't on board yet. So, but they, they're, they're not happy with what they're doing. What would you tell them to, you know, get involved and cut the curve?
1: I would advise anyone who is looking into real estate investing to first start going to meetups in your area, find free meetups, go on bigger pockets, Check out all the free resources. Get yourself familiar with some of the strategies and terms. And then from there, reach out to others who are doing it. And maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. help them with one of their projects or get a mentor or a coach. And that's kind of the easiest route that I would say to cut the curve is just get into some sort of program where they teach you, this is what you do from A to Z, do exactly what it says in their program, and you will succeed. Yes. It's about taking, <laughs> getting educated and taking action. And if you can take action in the right direction, it will help save you so much time and cut the curve.
0: Love it, love it. And you are living proof after taking Ryan Padina and, um, some other amazing coaches out there, you're crushing it. I, I can't wait to see what's next for you and what's out there. I know you're going to be in, uh, you're going to Vegas, September. I think you mentioned.
1: Yeah. The end of September, uh, September to Ryan Pineda's mastermind. So come visit me, uh, there. I mean, this is probably going to come out right before then, but I also, I think just to reiterate the power of your network, go to events like this meet other people add value to those who you look up to and um, connect with them because you never know what opportunities may come brandon turner i ended up buying a house that is next door to his wife's best friend that he was looking at and now we've built like a great rapport together he comes to some of the meetups and i'm gonna be at his mastermind that's an invite only in a in october i believe and so that's just from social media. That's from engaging. That's from taking action and other people, yes. even like you reaching out, right? You just seen, you're like, okay, who is this girl? So make yourself known. I right. know sometimes it's uncomfortable, you know, putting yourself out there, but trust me, it will pay off.
0: 100%. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I always want to call you Sasha because that was one of my first mentors in Airbnb business, but it's Zasha, correct?
1: Yes. Sasha.
0: And where do people, uh, connect and reach out to you, Zasha, if they're watching this YouTube video right now?
1: I am most active on Instagram at invest with Sasha, with a Z. There's a lot of spammers out there, so make sure you type it in correctly. And, um, I love connecting with people and helping people. And like I've told in this podcast, I partner with a lot of newbies. So if you have a really, really great deal, don't be afraid to bring it to me and of course you have to do have done all the legwork and due diligence on your own part too. Don't just be bringing any deals, but I love to see people get started. I love to help people get started and share anything that I can to help others.
0: Love it. Love it. And viewers out there reach out to people doing deals and provide value like Zasha's is saying right now, she's calling you guys to send her deals. There's no greater value than that. than you could provide someone already doing deals. And it's a great way to get into the game with not all the risk. You got someone who's been doing it three, four years. She's doing extremely well. So definitely, definitely hook up, provide value that way because you can't call someone and say, I want to take you for coffee or tea or it's just, it's a different world now. Um, so if you guys want to provide real value, get creative. Um, but again, thank you for watching Cut the Curb, Episode 14. And um, if you like it, share it with your friends. And we'll see you on the next Cut the Curve Episode
1: 15.